it. It's us again. This is Fluff and Maiden with There's Some, some whores, whores in This house. house. We have to say it that way. Mm-hmm. That's how our name is said. That's exactly how it is. It is. That's how Cardi B says it. Uh huh. So. I think Cardi B might hear this one day, Slam, actually. So. She'll love it. I think she will. She'll really appreciate the play on words with mm-hmm. our name. I think she would. Oh, I'm still crying. Um, we were just laughing so hard. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. We're okay. Everything's okay. So, business. Uh, still getting Facebook likes. I don't know what we're up to now because it's a week later. Well, yeah. in your time, in our time, it's, it's just the, the next, it's, it's the same, same day. day. <laughs> but we're hope we're hoping to be up to 200. I hope by the that time this airs, we're badass because the next episode could be alive. Yeah. Depending could on be. how many likes we have. So we need to get 200 likes and then we'll go live again, which would be super fun. We like doing that. Yeah, that was a Maybe you'll see Slam's face this time. She won't just be a disembodied voice. She's so cute. She'll be there. <laughs> Um, we have a TikTok. You yes. should follow us on TikTok at There's Some Horrors. We've been posting some things on there that are fun. Um, I think we should have stickers out. I don't know exactly how uh, we're going to do I that I don't either, yet. but it's going to be awesome. But we definitely have a really badass sticker design that one of our listeners designed for us. Thank uh, you, Megan. Megan. So we're super appreciative of that. Uh, we really, really love it. Um, and it was literally all her design. Yeah. We, we just said, we put out that we want a local artist to do a sticker design for us. And she got back to us and made this badass sticker design for us. So that's definitely, I, I don't know if anybody else is going to buy it, but it's definitely going to go on my derby helmet. Dude, I'm getting a fucking t-shirt. <laughs> it looks so Bad. badass on the oh, TV. Well, Callie, or, wants, Callie wants a t-shirt too. Oh, the t-shirt. Yeah. That looks so cool. She's like, this is the coolest podcast sticker I've ever seen. We're just the coolest podcast, period. I mean, it is, it is true. I really enjoy us. So, you should invite all your friends to listen to us. Right? I always like listen to time. us like the next Monday after our podcast mm-hmm. releases. And I I laugh just as hard as when we, we record. Listen, yeah. <laughs> but, you We're know. We're a good time. We are a good time. So, we have just a normal episode tonight where Maiden has a true crime and I have a paranormal I'm not ready. I, you're ready. I, I kind of have a, a hybrid. so I like that it's a hybrid, though. You're, you're kind of be getting best of both worlds here. So I'm going first, right? Yeah. All right. Any other business? No. I don't think I don't so. I don't think so. All right. So I'm talking about a creepypasta tonight. Um, <clears throat> the creepypasta, I think, is probably, like, the most popular creepypasta like if you're familiar with them your mind probably automatically goes to this, this yeah that's this probably like the first one i would think of right um and if you don't know anything else about like other creepypastas you you know this one yeah um and that's slender man so we're gonna uh, talk about slender man tonight no. so all of my all the disney shit right yeah we've been seeing some tiktoks where people are like i don't know i don't know know if it's called photoshopping into um disney movies but he's they're like photoshopping slender man into into, like disney movies like frozen 2 and like just like in the background it's really creepy 
So that is creepy. I don't know why people are doing that, but but stop. <laughs> I don't like let's it. Not <laughs> let's not do that. Um, <clears throat> so all of my notes right now come from Slenderman doesn't belong in Arendelle. No, he does not belong in Arendelle at all. <laughs> that is not a place for Slenderman. <laughs> all of my notes come from the creepypasta.com which is a rabbit hole that I have found myself in this week. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't either, and I love a good creepypasta, but you can read all the creepypastas on creepypasta.com. So, Slenderman, uh, all of my notes come from, from there right now. So, Slenderman is an alleged paranormal figure, figure, and he's supposedly been in existence for centuries. Uh, that covers a large geographic area. Believers in Slender Man tie his appearance in with many other legends around the world, um, including the Dark Man from Scotland, the Branch Man from uh, the Dutch, and there's a German legend of, of... There's two names that I'm... It's in German, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce them. <laughs> but basically, the translation is the Tall Man. So there's wow. actually... I, th- I think Slenderman first made his appearance on the internet um, on the website Something Awful, where there was yeah, a, like a, something fucking awful. Yeah, it's really awful. There was a photo contest um, where somebody uploaded pictures of Slenderman, and he's just like the figure in the back of like these old timey looking the playground ones. Yeah, yeah, like old timey looking pictures of like children. There's like a playground one where they're just like children playing and he's just like standing creepily in the background Mm. so it was then two guys picked it up and they made a movie about it and it got like some recognition off that so it became a creepypasta so if you go to the creepypasta website this is the story that you would read about slender man and i'm going to read it to you now it's a little short read so after waking up with a jolt the girl laid in bed a few seconds longer Reaching over to switch on her bedside lamp, she tried to remember exactly what had stolen her sweet slumber away. When she couldn't, the brunette swung her legs over the side of the bed and heaved herself up. Checking the time on her phone, she snorted when she saw it was midnight, the witching hour. Knowing that sleep would only evade her, she left her bedroom for the kitchen, a good cup of coffee on her mind. As she passed by her front door, a chill spread like liquid fire oh, down her spine. I hate this. It reminds me of black-eyed children. It does me too. It's only winter, she told herself, focusing on the coffee plan again. Measuring out her scoops, water, and preparing her cup kept her occupied. But as the dark liquid boiled, she had nothing left to keep her mind from wandering off. The chill returned, and she couldn't help but glance behind her to the front door. It stood there innocently enough, just like always. The deadbolt was still in place, and she could see nothing amiss with it. Turning back to her coffee, she did her best to forget about the feeling. With her cup in hand, she started back towards her bedroom. As she walked by the front door, she decided that a quick glance out the peephole... No, 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 Never, ever, ever look. Never look. Just walk to the bed. God. She decided that a quick peep out the peephole would calm her restless People mind. People me the fuck out. Yeah, it's not a good time. The chill worsened with each step she took towards the door and further away from the safety and warmth of her That's blankets. That's your body telling you something. Listen to yeah, it. Listen to your body. 
She pressed her empty hand against the cold metal door and took a deep breath before leading her eye to the peephole. At first, she could only see inky blackness, and somehow it seemed to swirl in in itself. She blinked in surprise, and when she did, the void melted away. She wished it hadn't. In its place, there stood what could only she could guess was once a man. The limbs were long and inhumanly awkward, with bulky joints branching off into several arms, not unlike the branches of a tree. The creature was draped in a black suit, somehow making the thing more nightmarish to her. The icing on the proverbial cake, however, was what passed as the hellish thing's face. It was as though her mind blurred the ghastly visage visage, (laughs) to spare itself further shock and horror. She shoved herself away from the door and with the hand still pressed against it, she dropped her scalding mug of coffee and the liquid burned her bare legs. Fuck that coffee. Yeah, I know. As she fell backwards and tried to crawl away from the door. She knew somehow that her mind hadn't been playing tricks on her. As she crab walked away from the door. Oh, God, why? That's even creepy. I know. That is some exorcist shit. When she crab walked away from the door. Oh, you just had to say it again. Sorry, I had to say it again. I lost my place. Crab walked away from the door. Where did it go? I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Okay. As she crab-walked away from the door, she watched as the tendrils, as black as the void she first saw, snake around through the cracks. The girl was trapped between the instinct to flee and the gut feeling to not turn her back on the door. When the door jolted, the urge to flee overcame her, and she slipped in the burning liquid as she tried to oh make God, it back I to her like room. This story. <laughs> she knew deep down that she was trapping herself in a corner, but she had to get away from that door. The girl was halfway down the hallway when she heard the previously locked door creak open. Nope. She screamed and slipped into a wall, cracking her chin upon it and stunning her. After that, there was only blackness. Nicole? A warm male voice snapped the woman out of her trance. As she turned around, she was met by one of her sister's doctors. She nodded, not sure if she should say anything, or even if she could find her voice if she did have something to say. That morning, she had gotten an urgent phone call from the hospital saying that her sister, Lindsay, was there. Before they had even let her see her, the doctors had pulled her off to the side and assisted that they talk to her about what might have happened. Phrases like self-inflicted and assault had been thrown around, and Nicole felt her mind reel. She hadn't fully understood what they had been saying until she saw Lindsay with her own eyes. Her little sister had a bandage wrapped around her head, covering both her ears as well as her eyes. They said it was to keep her now deadened eyes from drying out and to try to keep the infection out of the wounds that Lindsay had made to her ears. The doctors had guessed that either she or someone else had jammed a pencil into them to keep her off balance. Oh, my ears hurt. <laughs> or to deafen herself against something. No, no. There was a mix of first and second degree burns on her hands, legs, and feet from what was assumed to be the coffee her neighbors found slipped all over the entry to her apartment. 
As Nicole walked into her sister's hospital room for the first time, she thought she had spied the silhouette of a man outside Shut the, the window. Shut the fuck up! That, (laughs) That she knew was impossible. Her sister's room was on the third story of the hospital. I hated every single fucking second of that whole story. That's the Slender Man creepypasta. So he. I have goosebumps on like every single part of my whole ass body. Full body chills. Yes. So Slender Man is a being. He is male in appearance. He looks like a man with extremely long, slender arms and legs. He also appears to have four to eight long black tentacles that protrude from his back. He, but why? I, I don't <laughs> like it. I don't like why? it. He is described as wearing a black suit and he appears very thin and he is able to stretch his limbs and torso to inhuman lengths in order to induce fear and ensnare his prey. Once his arms are outstretched, his victims are put into something of an hypnotized state, which they are utterly helpless to stop themselves from walking into them. So, like, he just, like, forcibly pulls you into a hug. It's awful. That gives force hug a whole new meaning. Yeah, I don't like it. Whether he absorbs, kills, or merely takes victims to an undisclosed location or dimension is unknown, as there is never any bodies or evidence left behind in his wake to deduce a definite conclusion. His face is pale and slightly ghostly. It almost appears to have been wrapped in a type of gauze or cloth. His facial features are also an object of debate, because many people believe that his face looks different to each person if it is seen at all. So a lot of pictures of Slender Man, it's just his like... His face is like blurred out, isn't it? It's either blurred or it's just like a white, like completely white nothingness face. So his behavior, it's often thought that as well as he enjoys stalking people who become overly paranoid about his existence... He purposely gives them glimpses of himself to in order to frighten them. So if you're like paranoid that like Slender Man's gonna come find you, like he he seeks he you out and he will purposely like here I am. Oh no, here I'm gonna hide. And like he like pops out and like makes you see him for a second and then like like just like makes your paranoia like it's like psychological torture. He's like fucking with you. Hate it. Yeah, don't like it. All of it. He often seems to appear to float or drift rather than walk, which is like, I hate that. I hate that. I hate everything about that. And I also hate that anytime we do these fucking recordings, there's always a window, big ass fucking (laughs) window right behind me and a door on my left. Yeah, I don't like that. So by another Creepypasta member, this has been said, this is a quote from a Creepypasta. It says, there has been a big misconception about my pal, the Slender Man, due to his appearance of this article. He does not have hair or a face. Everything else is correct. There is also something questioning as to whether or not there is more than one. Which, fuck all of that. Fuck all the way off. There is not more than one. No, there's just one. This person says, I find that unlikely. Thank God. It is most likely Slendy fucking with your head in order to make you think that there's more than one, which he is known to do. As of now, 
Slendy only has three or four known accomplices, which is also terrifying. He's got people working for him? Oh, yeah. He has people. He has peeps. So his peeps are... Slendy. Yeah. He has the hoodie, Maskey, and the rake, and possibly the observer. No! Which are all creepypastas that we will cover in future episodes. Those are all... The observer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are all creepy pastas we're going to talk about. Yeah, I love that. So, not much is known yet because the next episode of Noah Maxwell are... I don't know what that means. So, yeah. That's that's what they say. He has known accomplices. I don't like that. And these are other creepypastas. Yeah, we're going to talk about those creepypastas. So, that is the Slender Man legend and how he came to be. So, that leads me to the true crime part of this hybrid tale. I already know where this is going. Yep, and that is the Slender Man stabbing. So, this took place in Wisconsin on May 31st, 2014. It involves three 12-year-old girls. They're babies. 12-year-old girls. Peyton, Morgan, and Anissa. Of course <laughs> They were all best friends, and they're all in the sixth grade. Now, I want sixth you to... fucking grade. I, that just blows my I know, and mind. I want you to keep that in mind through this whole story, that they're fucking babies. babies. They're 12 years old. It's like, it's, it's absolutely terrifying to think about. Yeah. So before we get to the events of May 31st, 2014, I want to give you some background info. Peyton had befriended Morgan in the fourth grade because she saw Morgan sitting alone at lunch and she didn't want her to be alone. Like, that is so tender. It is. Peyton just was like this kind of girl who was kind hearted and caring and... She reached out to somebody who didn't quite fit in, which is like what we tell our kids to do. Yeah, that's what like that's what you parent about. You like that's you tell your kids you reach out to people who are sitting alone at lunch. That that's not nice. Yeah. So in her interview with police, Morgan tells the police that Peyton was her only friend for a really long time. So sad. It's the saddest thing ever. So Morgan then meets Anissa, who was new to the school in like fifth or sixth grade. And the three of them all began hanging out and being friends. Anissa and Morgan found the creepypasta of Slender Man and they immediately become like absolutely obsessed with it. Like to the point where they think he's real and like spoiler alert, Slender Man ain't real. Like he, (laughs) He he, he ain't a thing. Like. He ain't real. But not that I'm in no way condoning what happened or or anything, but what makes creepy pastas so creepy is that they have the potential that you're like, could that be, be real? Yeah, is that a like, real thing? Like the Russian sleep experiment. You think New question. Oh my god, like that that could be that real. Sounds like something that maybe could have happened. And it's so detailed that you like go back and forth like is it real it's not real is it real oh it's not and again these are babies and these are 12 year old girls i'm a 32 year old woman and like i still question whether or not the russian sleep experiment is a real thing so imagine being a 12 year old and reading our creepypasta and thinking oh i would have been scared as fuck this could have been real so i guess you know 
at this time too, Morgan was really showing some signs of like mental health issues that yeah. were like in its beginning stages and they weren't really being addressed because they were so new. So no one had gotten a chance to address them yet. But either way, she like she wasn't okay. At yeah, the time. no, she was not okay at all. So Anissa and Morgan really bonded over this newfound love of Slender Man and Peyton didn't really want she anything was, to do with scared, it. Like, she, she was, was freaked, freaked out. out by it. Um, so Anissa and Morgan got closer, and it seemed like Peyton was kind of being pushed out of the friend group. In the Bonding sixth, over Slender Man. How fucking I know, it's up. really fucked up. In the sixth grade, Peyton was sort of branching out a little bit. Like I said, she was a really outgoing and caring little girl. So she, She's probably making new She friends. was making new friends. You know, in, in, in fifth grade, you know, fifth grade is like your last year in elementary school. And then you go to sixth grade, and you go to a brand new school. Yeah. Like. So she's probably meeting all different types of people that she didn't know before. So she's making different kinds of friends, which sort of ousted her even more from Morgan and Anissa. And that's okay. You're 12. Right. And they're kind of... from friends. They're growing apart. They're going down two different paths. And and Morgan and Anissa were kind of jealous about that. So, like, you can really start to see they're, like, kind of branching off from each other. So now we're up to the night before... The events of May 31st. So Morgan has a sleepover birthday party that night. And she invited Anissa and Peyton. And the girls were so excited and happy. And by the sounds of it, they had a badass Badass, night. Like, they went roller skating. I know! Which is, like, cool as hell. Yeah, that's all we have to do. I don't care what else happens. (laughs) And then they go back to Morgan's house for a sleepover. And the next morning, they all wake up, they have donuts, they hang out, they play dress up, like, everything is, like, super normal. Like, even the parents, like, are interviewed, like, I watched a 2020 episode about this, and, like, even the parents are, like, we didn't think anything was wrong, like, everything was normal, normal. they got along fine. So, they ask Morgan's mom if they can walk down to the park, which is normally, like, Morgan's mom would be like, no, you're 12. You can't walk by, by yourself to the park. Like, oh, no, you can't do that. She said yes this time. But the girls have been really good. They've been getting along. And Morgan's mom's like, yeah, sure. It's your birthday. Like, it's the middle of the day. Go ahead and walk down and be home at this time. So the girls get to the park and they go to the bathroom. And immediately when they get in the bathroom, this fight between them breaks out. Where Anissa hits Peyton's head off the bathroom wall as Morgan's, like, holding her in place. Yeah, I don't know what the... And Morgan lets go and she kind of, like, freaks out and begins pacing and, like, singing to herself. Which is, like, really creepy by itself. It is super creepy. So Anissa takes Morgan outside and she's, like, calming her down and... She told the police in an interview that the way she got Morgan to calm down is she what pet she her. she pet her like a cat. cat. And I guess that's something like in the beginning, like Morgan and Peyton, they really bonded over like their love of cats. Hmm. So it it I gets so cats. fucked up. I know it gets so fucked up. So they all decide that they're going to play hide and seek. And Peyton goes to hide in the woods and she can hear Morgan counting. And when she's done, the two girls were standing right above her and Morgan is holding a steak knife. Fuck. And right before Morgan stabs her, Morgan tells Peyton, don't be afraid. I'm just a little kitty cat. I remembered her saying that as soon as you said something and about that the is fucking like, petting. Oh, full body chills. I, I hate that so I much. I don't like that at all. 
And and so while Morgan is stabbing Stabbing Peyton, Anissa just watched. And I guess like when they were counting, they were like passing the knife back and forth. Like you stab her. No, you stab her. No, you stab her. Like arguing about who was going to like take the knife and do it. And ultimately Anissa said that she was too squeamish. So Morgan had to be the one to like stab Peyton. That's just fucking insane. And you just stand there and watch it. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so Anissa just watched as Morgan stabbed Peyton. And I guess like right before Morgan started stabbing uh, Peyton, Anissa told her, Kitty, now go ballistic. Which, I fucking hate that. I I hate everything about that. I can't even wrap my head around that. So Morgan stabs Peyton 19 times. And Anissa then tells Peyton, stay here. Morgan and I will go get help. Which, no, no the fuck won't. you're not. Like, fuck all the way off, for one thing. You're not going, you're not to, get going help. to get help. So they run off. So Peyton knew that. They, she was with it enough to know that they were full of shit. And this little badass crawls through the woods after being stabbed 19, 19 times. times until she found a biker... And this biker, he says in a 2020 interview, he normally had this, like, certain path he took through the woods. Didn't he from the path? And that day, he was like, no, I'm going to go this way today. And that's how he found Peyton. fucking wild. I don't believe in coincidences. But that's that's some... Oh, God. uh, That's freaky shit. So, he found her, and he's ultimately the one that calls 911. So, when police get there... Peyton is still with it and conscious enough to tell the police, my best friend Morgan did this to me. Like, could you, I couldn't even imagine having to say that. I can't. Callie, I'm glad you didn't stab me when I was 12. This little girl is so brave and so tough. I can't even. Crawling through the woods to go find help for herself, knowing that they weren't going to find her help on their own. And if she just would have laid there and and succumbed to the injury, she would have died. So... So, the police... Okay, so they know Morgan did it. But, like, you're asking, like, why Morgan stabbed her best friend? And it was all in the name of fucking Slender Man. Like, Anissa and Morgan thought that if they made a human sacrifice to Slender Man, that he would deem them worthy enough to come live with him in his mansion that was located in a Wisconsin state park. And that Slender Man would then not kill their families. Like that's heavy. That I can't even. I believe. Why some, would you, for one? Why would you even want to live with him to begin with? Right. Right. That's question it, one. Like none of it makes sense. Like I believe some weird shit when I was twelve years old. Like I thought Zach Hansen was like my legit boyfriend, <laughs> but like Slender, like thinking like Slender like, Man is like the legit boogeyman. Like you don't. I don't know. It just I get being afraid of him or being creeped out by the But like I wouldn't him, be like, I'm gonna kill my best friend in the name man. of Boogeyman so yeah. he doesn't pop out of my closet. It doesn't make any sense. No. So they found Morgan and Anissa sitting in the grass by the highway, and they were planning on walking to Slenderman's mansion, which by the way was in a state park. That was located a four and a half hour drive away. Oh yeah, go ahead and walk there. So like you can imagine how long it would take them to walk. But that just shows you like how delusional and how like 
into this delusion they, they are. were yeah so like literally none of it makes sense and their interviews like morgan and anissa's interviews with the police like you can look them up they are absolutely terrifying like morgan just has no remorse whatsoever and that's that probably goes into her mental illness i don't remember what she was ultimately like diagnosed with but like she has no remorse whatsoever she's just like yeah we did it oh is she dead oh she's not dead okay can we go home now like she just like she doesn't understand the gravity of Of what what she's just done yeah so after extensive surgeries peyton fucking lives like this little badass bitch fucking lives being stabbed 19 times that is just so she's now 17 years old she's more mature than i will ever hope to be she had an interview with 2020 which is like i said where most of my info came from and she's so positive and so mature and she does seem like so kind and she's not at all jaded by I'm this glad experience. Didn't change her. I know it's like she is such a sweet girl, and she even says that she would want to thank Morgan today for for doing this because it's made her into the person she is today. I that is a crazy ass way. To I, would look at it. I would never ever say that. No, I wouldn't either. I'd be like, "Fuck this, me bitch. too, me <laughs> like, too, fuck her all the way Let off." Me stab her nineteen times. Exactly. So, Morgan and Anissa are obviously, they got caught. Obviously, they're now in prison. Um, they get, they did not get to live with Slendy in his mansion. Damn. Spoiler alert. Morgan was sentenced to, nothing. yeah, she was sentenced to 40 years to life in involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institution until she's better or until the age of 53. Better, which will never happen. Which will never happen. So, she'll be in, she'll be locked up until then. Anissa was sentenced to 25 years to life, and she's also in treatment in a state institution until she's 37. Now, I when I was researching this case, I found an update on it on Google. So now Anissa is 19, and she's seeking release because technically she didn't do any of the stabbing. She just no, watched. she was just there. But she, she did didn't plan try to it. stop it. She didn't stop it, and they planned this. Like, they had code words and shit. Like... They, it was very much premeditated. They find out. So she had a court hearing last week where she told the judge she was sorry and deeply regretful for the agony, pain, and fear that she's caused, not just to Peyton, but to the community as well. She says, I hate my actions on May 31st, but through countless hours of therapy, I no longer hate myself for them. The judge didn't rule on her release that day, but he set another date later on uh, for another court hearing to hear more. But I hope that fucker never gets... Yeah, I mean, me too. She needs to fucker. be in. She, I mean, she's only 19 right now. I still think she's probably a danger to society. Oh, no, definitely. Like, that's only, what, like five years ago? Six years ago? Like, that's not that long that's ago. That's not that long and you stabbed a girl. You premeditatedly stabbed a girl 19 times. You need to sit in jail for a little bit, in yeah. my opinion. Long that long. Mm-hmm. Five years. And, like, Peyton has to live with that every day. Like, I'm sure she has PTSD and nightmares oh, about that. Yeah. Like, she has to live with that horror every day. So, like, you need to sit in jail and think about yourself well, you for a little it, yeah. bit. 
But I, mean, I hope she doesn't Thankfully, she get didn't die. But oh, thank God! Yeah, but she's a little fighter. Oh, like I definitely can't believe that she got stabbed nineteen times and lived. That's but yeah, you, you can look up thank their police that. interviews on YouTube, and they are terrifying. They're at, and they're twelve years old. Like that's the thing to remember through the whole thing. They're twelve. Is that they're fucking twelve, and it's just it's it's horrifying. So, yeah, I don't like that because it makes you wonder. Like, well, would they just think of worse things to do as they get older, or are they actually going to be re- rehabilitated because they were only twelve? Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just think like could go like there's, there's definitely there. some mental illness underlining there. Which I'm not saying like every mentally ill person is is a killer, but no. like you need to get the help you need, and to, they obviously need some help. That so they didn't get, and it sounds like they're getting that with being, you know. They need the treatment program until they're such and such an so age. So I hope that it actually is something that's helping them. Right. It needs to be something productive yeah, for them. For sure. Well, thank you for that nightmare fuel. Yeah, you're welcome for that. Thanks. So we'll be doing more creepy pastas for sure. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I guess that means it's my turn. That's your turn. Woo! Okay. So um, my true crime is on Ronald DeFeo Jr. Ooh. Yes. So, Ronald DeFeo Jr. was born September 16th, 1951 to parents Robert DeFeo Sr. and Louise, the oldest of his four siblings. There wasn't a lot of information in what I read about his upbringing, um, but it is said he was born into a well-to-do religious family, and as he grew up, he worked with his father at a car dealership in Brooklyn. But his relationship with his father was not a good relationship. They had a very strained relationship. Um, Again, that was not something that was elaborated on for, like, the reasoning of it. But um, he was known uh, to use drugs such as heroin and LSD. Um, He was known for drinking and causing fights. So maybe that's part of the reason that he had a strained relationship with his dad because he was just out here fucking wilding out. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But... Nevertheless, um, on the evening of November 12th, 1974, around 6.30 p.m., 23-year-old DeFeo entered Henry's bar declaring, You've got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. DeFeo and a small group went to the home located at 112 Ocean Avenue, which was near the bar, and found his parents dead in the house. DeFeo's friend, Joe Usewit made an emergency call to the Suffolk County Police Department, who, upon arrival to the residence, searched the house and found the six family members dead in their beds. So it wasn't just his parents. It was Six? It was everybody. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, the victims were Father Robert DeFeo, who was 43, Mother Louise, who was 43, Sister Dawn, who was 18, his sister Allison, who was 13, Brother Mark, who was 12, and um, their other brother, John Matthew, who was only nine. Aww. I know. What'd he do? I Ugh. don't... Nothing. None of them really did anything. I know. Stupid. Uh, they were they were all found lying face down in their beds and had been shot with a thirty five caliber lever-action Marlin three three six c rifle at around 3 a.m. That was a lot to say. <laughs> the following morning. Um, his parents had both been shot twice. But his siblings had only been shot once. They were killed with a single gunshot. Physical evidence later suggested that Louise, his mother, and his uh, sister Allison had been awake at the time of their death. Mm. Um, At this time, the police 
believed son Ronald, who they also called Butch, was the lone survivor of the attack on his family after he had suggested to police that the crime had been carried out by a mob hit, a mob hitman named Lois Fen- Lois. 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 Louis. <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> what what year did this take place in? Um, uh, this was in I don't nineteen seventy four. Okay, okay. Louis. Louis. <laughs> Fellini was his last name. Well, that's a fun name. I know. Um he was it's then taken place. into protection at the police station for further questioning because they still thought that he was mm-hmm. in danger. Um but upon answering the questions, um, he they revealed inconsistencies in his version of the events that unfolded that night. Uh, the following day, though, he did confess to carrying out the killings himself. There had been no sign of a struggle in the household. The rifle had not been fitted with a silencer. And they also found evidence that the family may have been drugged. Mm-hmm. Which DeFeo admitted is in his interrogation that he had drugged them. But this is just one of the very beginning lies that he tells and stories he changes because they during autopsy they did talk screens like blood urine analysis examined all their organs and there was no evidence to support the claim that the family had been drugged so like why would you even say that yeah how old was this guy again 24 okay i I read stuff 23 okay um do 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 the neighbors, which I thought this was weird, said that they did not hear anything. They didn't hear gunshots or anything. Um, all they heard was the family dog, Shaggy, barking. So there was essentially six gunshots. More than that. No, four just between the parents because each parent, each parent was shot twice. Yeah. And then there was the children, four of them. So, yeah. So eight, and, and they didn't hear shit. Eight shots, yeah, fired. And they didn't hear anything. Dude, somebody well, was shooting guns uh, over here, like, just, like, target shooting. And, like, I was it's talking loud. to my daughter on the phone, and she's like, what's that noise? Like, yeah. she heard it through the fucking phone. Yeah. And this, like, there was no silencer on it. Like, yeah. it wasn't, they said they didn't hear anything. That's crazy. Um, some that were still awake, like I said, just reported hearing the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, they also later would find out the man accused of killing the family, Fellini, had an alibi. He was actually out of state when the killings took place. Um, DeFeo actually told the defected Defectives. Defective. I, <laughs> I can't talk. Told the detectives once he had um, confessed, um, quote, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Although he did have a volatile relationship with his father, the true motive for the crime is unknown. This was weird to me, so I included it. It is it said that he had asked the police what he had to do to go about collecting the money from his father's insurance policy. So, like, maybe that was a motive as yeah. to why he killed him. But, right. like, I feel like you should be smart enough to realize, like, you just admitted that you killed him. And then you think you're going to get insurance money? Yeah, no. I think it that works that work way. Like that. No. Um, he admitted that he had bathed himself, redressed, and discarded vital pieces of evidence like bloodstained clothing, um, the rifle and cartridges, and then just went to work. Like everything was Oh, no big deal. No big deal. Just a normal day. It's, yeah. He gave several different accounts as to how the killings were carried out, changing his story multiple times. In an interview with Newsday in eight, 1986, he claimed his sister Dawn killed their father, 
and that their distraught mother killed the siblings with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver before he ended up killing his mother. Jesus. So he's just blaming it on other people. Right. Um, Ew, that reminds me of that Chris Watts. Yep. I hate that. Yeah, I hate that too. Um, he claimed that he took the blame because he didn't want to say anything bad about his mother in front of her father mm-hmm. or his uncle, who was a member of a crime family, so he was scared he was going to kill him if he talked badly on mm. her, I guess. Yeah. Um, his story was that um, he was married at the time to Geraldine Gates and had been living in her new, living with her in New Jersey, so he's saying he wasn't even at the house. Um, until his mother called and asked him to return to Amityville to break up a fight that had been happening between his sister Dawn, his oldest sister, she was 18, and their father. So he drove home. I fucking heard that shit. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Something on the couch. <laughs> I thought it was outside. It might be. <laughs> he, he drove home, supposedly, with Geraldine's brother, Richard, and um, said that he could fully corroborate his story. Like, what he told is what happened. He had a witness that could testify that, you know, that's the real story. Did you say Amityville? Mm-hmm. Like, like, Amityville, like, horror? That's what this this crime is. That's what this movie is based on. What? Uh-huh. My mind's blown. <laughs> Keep going. Um, so, in this house. Yeah. And that's why it's haunted. My mind just exploded. <laughs> um, his trial began on October 14th, 1975. His defense lawyer, William Webers, uh, was trying to get him to plea insanity, claiming that DeFeo had killed his family because he had heard voices plotting against him. Oh. So they were shit in his head that was telling him he had to kill his family. So. That's what happens in the Amity Horror movie. Right, but like, do you think that the house already has bad I don't juju, know. or if it has bad juju, or because yeah, of him. because of yeah the murders? Like maybe that wasn't even a legit thing mm-hmm. that was happening, or he was schizophrenic mm-hmm. and had right. an un- undiagnosed like medical right. disorder. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Um. Whoops. <laughs> there went my bracelet. Um. Do do. Um. His insanity plea was actually supported by a psychiatrist for the defense named Daniel Schwartz. However, the prosecution's psychiatrist, Dr. Harold Zolan, maintained that although DeFeo had a history of using heroin and LSD, along with an antisocial personality disorder, so there's already something that he has been diagnosed with, um, he was aware of his actions at the time of the murders, that he he knew what he was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, on November 21st, 1975, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder and was sentenced by Judge Thomas Stark on December 4th, 1975 to six sentences of 25 years to life. That's interesting. It's second-degree murder. I know. I As I was reading it, I was like, why? Yeah. Because the, the sentencing would be lighter for, for second-degree second than it would be for first-degree. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, in 1990, so years later, mm-hmm. he filed a 440 motion to have his conviction vacated. Now here comes another story. He said Dawn, older sister Dawn, mm-hmm. and an unknown assailant who actually fled on foot before he could e- even get a good look at him, killed their parents and that Dawn had killed the children. He said the only person he killed was Dawn and that that was an accident as they were struggling to gain control of the rifle. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they were never able to locate said wife, Geraldine's brother, Richard, who was, you know, his witness that said he saw everything. Um, there was evidence found that suggested that he didn't exist. Geraldine, at the time that he was saying she was married to him, was actually living upstate in New York, married to someone completely different. But she never testified in trial, but she did make a statement in 1992 telling them that her brother wasn't real and that she did not actually marry DeFeo until 1989 because she did it in preparation for that 440 motion he was going to file. Hmm. She knew he was going to use that story, so she was making it seem like they were already married at the time, yeah. but they weren't. So, obviously, they found that out. The judge denied, because it was the same judge, Judge Stark, denied the motion uh, for false and fabricated testimony. So, hmm. they just didn't believe him. Um, and then, on November 30th, 2000, um, an author named Rick Asuna, I might have pronounced that wrong, because I'm not good with words, um, who ended up publishing a book in 2002 called The Night the DeFeos Died, um, says that he met with DeFeo and they talked for about six hours. Uh, supposedly, though, um, DeFeo told Osana that he had committed the murders with his sister Dawn and two friends. So here's another story. Mm -hmm. um, Augie DiGerno and Bobby Kelsky out of desperation because his parents had plotted to kill him. Wow. Why are you involving all these other people? You're right. Um, after a fight, he and his sister planned to kill their parents. And Dawn had actually killed the siblings to eliminate witnesses. Um, he was so enraged once he saw what she had done to her siblings, he knocked her unconscious onto the bed and then shot her in the head. Police did end up finding traces of unburned gunpowder on her nightgown, which DeFeo argued proves that she discharged a firearm mm -hmm. and that she was involved. But a ballistic expert, Alfred Della Pena, testified that she was in close proximity to the muzzle of a weapon when it was discharged, not that she had fired it herself. Mm -hmm. um, the only wounds that she had was the, the fresh bullet wound from where she was shot. Um, but that's it. There was no sign of a struggle that would, you know, corroborate them say, him saying they were fighting for the rifle and stuff like that. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, in a letter that he later wrote to radio host Lou Gentile, DeFeo denied giving Osana information that he used in his book. So he claimed that he immediately left the interview and did not speak to him at all. So he's saying that the information written was not anything that he gave to this mm -hmm. guy that wrote the book. Um, later on in prison, DeFeo would go on to say that his defense attorney, William Weber, gave him no choice but to plead insanity. That he said there would be a lot of money from a book and movie deal and that he would have him out of prison in a couple years. Mm. Clearly that was a scam because DeFeo died actually March 21st, 2021. Like, wow. At age 69 at the Albany Medical Center. Um, he had been admitted on February 2nd. Uh, no official cause of death has been released yet, mm -hmm. so we still don't know because that was just, what, a couple weeks ago? Right. Um, this case inspired the book and film version of the Amityville Horror and a story I put it here, a story for another, a different time, George and Kathy Lutz, the first family to live in the home mm -hmm. since the crimes. Yes. Who only stayed for 28 days, claiming to be plagued by paranormal phenomena. Yes. So, that's the house. Oh, that's super interesting. That's like a prequel. Yeah. It's like a future episode. Yes. <laughs> this little segue. I see that. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. I got this. So that's super interesting. That was the story of Ronald DeFeo Jr. So, like... We don't know why he did it. 
No. Or, like, if his story is true. If maybe he really did hear voices and just went crazy. That's crazy. And... I think that's a really good question, though, about if the house was already dark. Dark, and it really did, yeah, like, force him to, not force him, but you know what I mean, influence yeah. these things that he did. Or, or if, he if it's that it way because of Because him. of the murders, yeah. Yeah, because that that family went through a lot of shit in that fucking house. Sure That, that lived there after him. Absolutely. That's going to be a really good paranormal story. Yes, it is. Do it. Ooh, that um, was a good one. That was a good prequel. I like that setup. Yay. Yay. I mainly, like, I had kind of already had the thought in my head to do it eventually. And I was maybe going to mention, like, a segue, like, maybe do it as a two-parter. Uh-huh. Like, one of us does that aspect and then the other one does right the paranormal aspect of it. But when I saw that he died, I'm like, oh, I should do that now. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So it's very timely. Yeah. Yep. That was a good one. Good. That's a, I like that. I, I surprised you. I know. As soon as you said Amityville, I was like, oh, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that place. I just shoved a chip in my mouth. That's Sorry. fine. No, you're fine. So, good ones. Yeah. Woo. Oh, excuse me. Any business? No, just uh, like the socials, especially Facebook. We're trying to get to 200. Yes, we need to get to 200 fa- uh, Facebook likes so that we can go live again. That was super fun. And I'm sure you all want to see our faces. Yeah. <laughs> tell your parents, tell your friends. Kind of like hide your kid, hide, hide your, your wife. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Tell your parents, tell your friends. Check us out. And continue to give us five-star reviews because that makes us feel good. Yeah. But, yeah, we're we're doing... We're super happy with the way things are going. Definitely. Very happy. We're, we'll see how we can do stickers coming up because we definitely want to get those out. And that's going to be super fun. And maybe we'll have some giveaways with that. Yes. Up. That'll be... That, that'll be cool. Yeah. We got things. We got plans. We got lots of plans and lots of ideas. Yeah. And we can only do that... With you guys' help. So we thank you so much for your support and for your reviews and liking us on all our socials and especially for listening. Yeah. So, yeah, keep giving us suggestions. We like that. Uh, We like learning about new things. So that's all I got. Me too. So Slam, you got anything? Look that up. We didn't have Slam look anything up. We didn't. We were on our shit. We we knew all the shit this yes, week. Yes, we did. But she was still there for moral support. She yeah. is falling asleep. She I'm is. Trying so hard. She is so tired. All right. Well, I guess that's it. I guess Slam says it's time to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.